I felt his presence. Amen. Amen. And I knew this was the place where love abounds. For this is, you are the temple. Jehovah Jireh abides in. And children, we are at this time seated on holy ground. When God's people gather together corporately and leave all their baggage in the lobby and come into his presence with singing and begin to worship and praise him, that worship and praise goes up. And as it goes up, clouds of glory are formed. And as the clouds of glory are formed, the clouds lower and rain begins to fall. And good things happen when it rains. It washes all the residue, all the smell, all the things of the world off. And it begins to minister and to bless us. We will never do away with corporate worship. He said, if two or three will gather in my name, I will be in their presence. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God is in this house. He has sent his spirit to do what needs to be done. And we are excited about that. In 1963, the nuclear submarine Thrasher was lost from radar. And as they begin to pursue to try to find out what happened to the sub, the sub was on some discovery dives to see how deep the sub could actually dive. And unfortunately, it dove too deep. And the pressures from the outside overwhelmed the pressures on the inside, and the sub imploded, and 129 Navy soldiers lost their life. We are living in a pressure cooker world. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, and 8 says that we are pressed down, shaken, that calamity, distress, famine, persecution, all those things that we see in the world today, we are experiencing As you watch the news media, obviously not just our nation, but our world is hurting. As you look around in life, the people that you love and you spend time with, all the pressures of life, all the financial frustrations, all the marital frustrations, all the spiritual frustrations, it's like we're a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed and trashed. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is still in control. And he's about to turn your test into a testimony. The word says we overcome the enemy. The Bible says in Daniel, the attitude or the thought process of the enemy in the last days is twofold. Number one, to wear out the saints of the Most High God and to blaspheme the name of the Most High God. And we see that in the world today. We see that in life today. We see that in our home today. The enemy is trying to wear us out and wear us down and trash us and weary us with the cares of life. But the word says, take no thought of what you're going to eat or drink because God is still in control. 
He knows where you're at. He knows what you need. And he has the ability to provide the promises that he has declared in his word. This morning, we're going to look at three coats. I want you to say this with me. First of all, the coat of affection, the coat of affliction, and the coat of affirmation. Three coats. My title this morning, for Austin's sake, is simply... Don't just go through it, grow through it. Don't just go through it, grow through it. I believe that this pressure that we are in, the things that we're involved in, the Bible says that we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. And as you begin to apply the blood to everything in your life, you will see a testimony. I think of that growth that we're a part of, and I think about uh, the book of Genesis, the 37th chapter. Uh, one of the most important stories in the entire Bible, so important. Uh, Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, sections off 13 chapters to tell the story of Joseph. And it is an incredible story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So many great thoughts and themes from that story. We heard the phrase, I actually heard that phrase twice this week, what you intended for evil, God worked for your good. God is working everything for your good. It may not appear to be working for your good, but as we are in a pressure cooker, every once in a while that steam just lets off. Can anybody relate? And this morning, we're just here to let off a little steam. We're here to declare the goodness of God, the favor of God, the mercies of God, and then allow God corporately to allow every one of us to get saturated with his presence, with his promises, that we leave feeling different than when we came in. And I don't know what stuff you brought with you, but good news is we left it in the lobby. It's not here this morning with us. We're going to let the spiritual janitor called the Holy Ghost, clean the lobby. Don't pick up your junk on the way out. Pick up a banana <laughs> or a bag of bread. Because I noticed this morning we have plenty of both. And so that you're able to come and you're able to receive and you're able to get what God has for you. When I look at the story of Joseph, Joseph uh, was the baby of the family. Uh, he had 10 brothers, uh, some sisters. And uh, because he was born later in life, he was loved by his dad. He was spoilt by his dad. And the Bible says that Jacob loved Joseph so much that he made him a coat of many colors. Now, the word many in the Hebrew is twofold. It also means stripes. So a coat that had stripes in it or a coat that had many colors in it, many people have... uh, have patterned the life of Joseph after the life of Jesus, rejected, sold, persecuted, but resurrected in faith and power. Do have a friend in the house this morning that can relate. This is the only coat I had of many colors, and I thought, how appropriate to wear plaid on a Sunday. Hello. I can just about get away. I'm 65, so I can get away with anything. People just think it's old age or, or dementia. I don't feel demented this morning, but I do feel my age. I worked a little bit with Michael out in the yard and a little bit of work I did. 
I feel it today. Can I get a witness in the house? As we're looking in this pressure cooker world, and certainly we are acknowledging the, the riots in the nation, and we pray for our nation, we pray for peace in our nation as we see the COVID. Did you notice the COVID seemed to disappear when the riots began? What would happen if people focused as much on the things of God and the presence of God as they did the riots and the COVID? We would see a nation turn towards God. We pray for our nation. I believe there are 40 million unemployed. We know in just a matter of hours, 300 businesses were destroyed. We see the looting. We see the damage. We see the frustration in this world. This world is frustrated because it doesn't have the peace that passeth all understanding. And when you walk in that peace, you can relate to the things coming against you or coming against your family or coming against your business or your life or your marriage. You can relate to that because he gives us that peace that passeth all understanding, that gives us the ability to face another day because we're walking in that provision that God has provided. I think about Joseph as a baby, and I think about babies, how they are loved and they are cuddled and they are pampered and they are held. Can anybody relate? I know parents in this building, your child didn't walk until they were five because you carried them everywhere they went. I think about Jean's family, and I try to go over there two or three times a week. I know Leela hates to see me because I always show up with Kit Kats and Almond Joys, and I know it ruins their dinner, but she's so nice to let me go ahead and give them that. I'm watching the kids. I'm watching all, all of them grow and mature. I'm watching right now Hank Samuel because I'm not saying he's my favorite, but he's one of my favorites because he's named after me, and he's such a darling. He's such a blessing. He's so, he's so lovable and huggable, and if Grandpa goes to the store, he better come back with some Mentos or Hank's going to have an attitude. And I'm teaching him that attitude to get what he wants just by acting like a child. And it's okay to act like a child. It's okay to be held. It's okay to be cuddled. I am told that when that baby is born and that, that, that uh, help me, the uh, umbilical cord is cut, when that baby cries, something happens in the body of that mom and that breast begins to produce milk. Right. And the first thing that baby experiences is that milk that baby is nursed, that baby is clothed, that baby is bathed, that baby is fed, and, and every aspect of that baby's life, it seems to be all about them. Did you notice? But you know, we can't stay a baby forever. Right. When you come to God, you lay down all the junk of the world, and aren't you glad this morning that song says, if you could see where Jesus brought me from right. to where I am today, then you would know the reason why I love him so when we reflect back in the past where we were and then we look and see where we're at now, we're not done, we're still growing, we're still progressing, we're still pursuing, we're, we're a lot better off today than we were yesterday. Can anybody relate? Every day, the song says, every day just gets sweeter. And when you're a babe and you're, 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 you're sanctioned by the things of God, the affection of God, we sing that song, I'm my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. And it's okay to be a baby, but eventually we're going to have to grow up. And as we watch a child 
that will go to pre-K, then go to kindergarten. It'll learn its ABCs. It'll learn its timetables. It goes through the different grades, the different levels, the different things of education. They, they, they're supposed to get smarter and smarter and smarter. And the reason our kids don't get smarter is because they outgrow us and we don't know how to keep up. Can anybody relate? And if you think I'm lying, I challenge you to take on eighth grade algebra. And if you can handle eighth grade algebra, then take on ninth grade geometry. Am I talking to anybody in the house? And then 10th grade, you always got the trigonometry. And 11th grade, they always throw physics on you. And the 12th grade, you're so burnt out by learning, you know it all. You turn 18 and you conquer the world and you do what you want. That's called maturity. That's called growing up. And what happens when we begin to grow in the Lord and we get to grow in the things of God, as Joseph was a baby there in the father's house and he was given the favorite coat and he was loved by his dad and he was spoiled, know that when we come to God, he loves us, he clothes us, and he spoils us. Aren't you glad this morning you're spoiled by the things and the presence and the things that God has for us? But as we begin to grow, we begin to dream and we begin to have aspirations. We begin to have goals. We actually start pursuing our destiny. We actually start pursuing our purpose. Why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? How can we make this world, this family, this house, how can we make this a better place? And we start growing and we start maturing and we start dreaming. And there are people in your life that will resent your growth. There are people in life that will resent your dreams. There are people in life that resent the favor of God that's on your life. There's people in your life that resent the way that you are accelerating in ministry and you're accelerating in authority and you're accelerating in glory and they're stuck in a place and they can't seem to get out of that place. So instead of repenting and, and walking through restoration and healing and restoration, they begin to find fault. If they can take the focus off of them and put it on you, then they have accomplished what they think they need to accomplish. It doesn't help them, but it puts pressure on us to step up to the plate and be what God wants us to be. Joseph, the baby, the family, dad sent Joseph to check on the brothers. At, uh, at a distance, the brothers saw Joseph, and uh, they recognized the coat. The Bible says they recognized the coat of many colors, the coat of stripes, and they said this, here comes that dreamer. Here comes that visionary. Here, come, here comes that, that optimist. Here comes that one that's, that's pursuing the things and the purpose and the plan of God. And they came up with the plan. And they said, let's kill him. Let's put him away. Let's destroy him. Let's see if we can crush his dreams. His brother intercedes. They throw him into a pit. They come up with the plan. And so they take that coat of many colors and they kill a, a calf and they put that coat of affliction on Joseph. And from that moment for the next 13 years of his life, I like this one. This will be a short point because it's going to be too hot to wear it. James Dean, James Dean. There you have it. So they sell him into slavery. And he sold to Potiphar. And Potiphar was the captain of the king's guard. What that means in the Hebrew he was the king's assassin. He executed all the enemy of the king. And Joseph went to work for Potiphar. The Bible says that the hand of God was upon Joseph. And God blessed Joseph and blessed everything that Joseph did. 
and Potiphar's house started being blessed. So Potiphar puts Joseph over all of his house, everything going on, everything taking place. And jo Joseph is walking even in that jail cell, even in that place of Potiphar's palace, God was honoring Joseph and God was favoring Joseph. But then, Joseph's, then Potiphar's wife decides to make a play for Joseph and know that when you go from affection, you're going to go to affliction. You're going to go to tribulation. You're going to go through stress. You're going to go through pressure. Here Joseph is trying to do the right thing, but there's a, there's a, there's a presence in his life that wants to make him cop out, that wants to make him backslide, that wants to make him compromise. And when we get to a place in God where we're growing and we're learning and we're producing and we're effective, expect opposition. Expect the enemy to be afraid of you. Expect the enemy to be intimidated by you. Expect the enemy to be worried about you. And the enemy will come up with a plan to try to take away your joy and to steal the very breath from your lungs and to put you in a pit and put you in pressure and put you in a place of compromise. And that's exactly where Joseph found himself. He could have compromised. He could have slept with Potiphar's wife. He could have done what the song says. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. He could have gone that route, but he stood his ground. Look at somebody and say, he stood his ground. And in that stand of that ground, Potiphar's wife went to Potiphar and said, look, Joseph tried to hit on me. I tried to get away, and I grabbed his coat, and here he's left his coat. And Potiphar, who was the captain's, he was the king's assassin, if Potiphar believed his wife, he would have executed Joseph. Right. He did not believe his wife because he knew his wife was a flirt. He knew what his wife was, but he had to save face, so he puts Joseph in prison. So all of a sudden, we find that coat of affliction there in prison. And here Joseph finds himself confined to a jail cell. I don't know if you've ever been arrested. I don't know if you've ever been in a jail cell. But there's nothing romantic. There's nothing, there's nothing fun. There's nothing nice about a jail cell. You're there. You're told when you can brush your teeth. They're told when you can wash your face. You're told when you can lift weights, when you can watch TV. That doesn't sound too bad. Lifting weights, watching TV, not so bad. But the food tastes like cardboard. Aaron, I'm sure you, you and others can relate to that, that the food tastes like cardboard, and it's a miserable place. But Michael, right there in all that junk, right there in all that misery, right there in all that suffering, the Bible says that God's hand was upon Joseph and gave him favor with the warden. And the warden saw that everything Joseph did was blessed, so the warden puts Joseph over the prison. He's managing the prison. And right there, what looks like a bad, a, a, a bad card, a bad hand, or it looks like he's been dealt some bad stuff, Joseph refuses to get overwhelmed by tribulation. He refuses to get overwhelmed by persecution, overwhelmed by being incarcerated. And where he's at, he flourishes. Where he's at, he blooms. Where he's at, he produces. You may not like the job you have. You may not like the car you drive. You may not like the person you married. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. But the car you drive and the job that you have, all those things can change. Yeah. But if you'll have the right attitude and a good attitude that declares, and we'll get to that three weeks from now where it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. 
My God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. If you'll make up your mind not to give up, if you make up your mind not to quit, if you make up your mind not to throw in the towel, not to submit to discouragement and depression and fear, but if you'll stand your ground and do the right thing, God will turn it around and God will bless you and God will honor you and God will mark your life and bless your life according to his plan in your life. Let someone say amen in this house. A butler and a baker are arrested, thrown in prison with Joseph. They recognize immediately the spiritual authority in Joseph's life, and they go to him and tell them about their dream. The butler had a dream. The baker had a dream. Joseph looks at the two and said, here's what's going to happen. You, the butler, you're going to be released. You're going to serve the king. But you, the baker, you're going to be executed. Sure enough, three days later, the butler was exalted, and the baker was executed. Joseph said to the butler, listen, remember me when you get to Pharaoh's house. Don't forget me. Remember what God did for you through me. And make sure and talk about that and speak that. Don't leave me here in this prison. The butler forgot about Joseph. And you know, there's a lot of people that forget some of the good that we have brought. Can anybody relate? Sometimes people have a tendency to take advantage of our graciousness, our goodness, and our generosity, but that doesn't mean we stop being gracious, Amen. we stop being generous, we stop being what God called us to be. No matter where we are in life, whether it's a pit or whether it's a palace or whether it's a prison, we're going to stay faithful to the things of God. We're going to continue to grow and be what God wants us to be, even in bad times. What is the cliche? Bad times last. Bad times, help me. Good, good people, let, let me rephrase that. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Bad things happen. Forrest Gump had it so right. I, unfortunately, this is a PG crowd, so I can't quote him. But bad <laughs> things happen. Things are going to, get that thought from your mind. I see where you guys went there just now. Get that thought. Bad things happen. But, but Joseph, like Forrest, refused to give up. He refused to quit. He kept doing what God called him to do, what he learned to do. And right there in that prison, God begins to honor Joseph. Pharaoh has a dream. He doesn't understand the dream. He calls all of his staff and says, if you don't tell me the dream, I'm going to kill you. A lot of pressure there. All of a sudden, the butler remembered Joseph. Hello. Oh, king, live forever. I know a guy that can interpret your dream. I know a guy that can tell you what's going on. So, so, the, so the Pharaoh sends for Joseph. But you know what Joseph does? Anybody? He takes a shower, he shaves, and he puts on another coat. Will you still meet me? Will you still greet me? This is my Tom Jones. It's not unusual to be loved. We have it. He puts on another coat. You want to be successful? Wouldn't hurt to dress for success. It wouldn't hurt to reflect on who you represent when you're out in the community. When I'm working in the yard, I dress a certain way. 
When I go to the hospital, I dress another way. Joseph felt in his spirit, promotion is coming. I need to get ready for it. And I'm saying this house this morning, promotion is coming. It's time to get ready for it. It's time to act the act. It's time to play the part. It's time to realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that God is about to turn your world upside down. God is about to bring some things into your life. God is about to bring some favor, some revenue, some income, some anointing, some blessing. God's about to turn it around in your life. You survived as a child. You survived in Potiphar's house. You survived in prison. Now it's time for you to become what you become. And 13 years later, Joseph stands before the king, hears his dream, gives the interpretation, and he says, King, here's what's going to happen. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. You need to put a man in authority that can regulate the, the, the excess and store it for the famine. And the Pharaoh said, you're the man. And Joseph is promoted from the pit to the, to the palace just because he was obedient in the things he knew how to be obedient about. I know that Joseph is called a dreamer. But he only, he only messed with six dreams. But when you watch Joseph's life, he was an administrator. Right. He took what God gave him and he made it work. And I'm telling you this morning, take what God has given you and make it work. Got a lousy wife? Be a better husband. Got a lousy job? Be a better employee. Get there 15 minutes early. Stay, forget all that. And I'm not going to tell you how to work your job. Get there 15 minutes early and stay 15 minutes late. Ask the boss, is there anything I can do to make your day a little easier? Learn how he drinks his coffee. Make sure when he gets there, there's a fresh, hot cup of coffee, just like he likes it. With uh, Michael, it's like 14 tablespoons of sugar. I'm not bluffing. And half the cream, he likes a little uh, coffee with his cream and sugar. Learn how the boss drinks it. Have it ready for him. Get in the boss's face. What can I do to make this a better company? Same thing with your marriage. What can I do to be a better husband? Don't ask that question unless you have a legal pad. <laughs> Never ask a woman what she wants or feels if you don't want to know what she wants or feels. Read books. How can I be a better husband? Hang around people that seem to have a healthy marriage. Most of us fake it pretty well. Hello. Find somebody that's a, that's a role model. Find somebody that, has, that, that, their, that their children call them blessed and they're not rebellious and out killing everybody and beating everybody up. Am I preaching good this morning? Realize that God is about to promote you and he's about to change coach. You're about to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God is about to turn things around in your life. We know the story. God, God promotes Joseph. I mean, God promotes Joseph in Pharaoh's court. Joseph takes a wife, and I'll conclude with this thought. Joseph takes a wife and has two sons. The first son he names Manasseh. The second son he names Ephraim. Something very important about the names of his sons. Manasseh means the Lord has caused me to forget. All the junk that Joseph went through as a, as, a, as, a, as a young man, 17 years old, 13, 13 years of hell, 13 years of pressure, 13 years of being violated, 13 years of being sequestered. That 13-year window, he learned 
how to rule a country. Pharaoh made him number two. The Bible says he rode in the number two chariot. The Bible says he was clothed in fine linen, that when his brothers came to buy corn, they didn't recognize him. You know the story. Joseph gave them corn, put their money back in their sack, went home, found out that they had a son. Joseph said, if you don't come back with the son, I'm going to keep this brother in prison. The, the kids went to dad, interceded, said we need to take Benjamin with us. And you know what happened and transpired? Joseph reveals himself to his brethren. He moves seven, or seven in the family. He moves in the land of Goshen so that they were blessed in the time of famine. But I like what happens at the end of the story. At the end of the story, Jacob dies. And the brothers begin to operate in fear. Now that our dad is gone, Joseph is going to punish us for how we sold him into slavery. Joseph is going to punish us for how we stole his inheritance. Joseph is going to punish us for how we took him away from his dad and mom. And they're afraid. And they came to Joseph and said, we will be your slaves. We will serve you. Joseph made him stand up and looked at him and said, what you intended for evil, God worked for good. And I'm here to tell you today, the people or the obstacles or circumstances in your life that are trying to hurt and harm you, God's going to turn around and work it for your good. God's going to qualify you to do things that you never thought possible. God's going to give you dreams and they're going to be in color. You're going to see clearly the purpose and plan that God has for your life. And then you're going to find the path to get to it. And you're going to walk that path in Jesus' name.